0: OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome to the Supporters Fund Ask an Angel. I'm your host, Jeffrey Poffin. And today we'd like to welcome to our show, Mike. I'm going to say it wrong or I'm going to say it right. Omrez?
1: Uh, <laughs> not even close. It's, oh, uh, man. But it, that was good, though. I never heard that one before. Well, it's, I was uh, going
0: with the Spanish
1: touch. It's Yeah, I got that. Growing up in Arizona, I was harmooz quite a bit. But uh, ah. it is JarMuzz. My friends call me Muzz.
0: Muzz, I love it. And JarMuzz is obviously a great name, too. So it sounds like uh, you could have a, a Spanish... Uh, discotheque band behind this. So, uh, and I'm sure there's something in there that we're going to dive into that. But uh, again, Mike, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, I'm going to say that of all of the investors I've talked to in my lifetime, you're the one that I've had the most excitement to dive into because you've done some crazy amount of investing and done a lot of great things. So I'm excited to explore this today. So maybe the best way for us to start is we like to learn a little bit more about yourself. So maybe you can share a little bit about your background, kind of uh, where you're sitting today, what you're looking at doing in the future, and then one thing about you that nobody would know.
1: Sure. So I'm from Arizona, uh, and I grew up in just a regular middle-class family. I was in the music business for a long time. That was my primary focus. Um, I had a record label in high school. We ran a really cool punk rock venue. Uh, we did 35 concerts a month in Phoenix, Tucson, and Albuquerque. We grew that to be a, a rather large business. Um, I started managing a band. They were called The Format. We got a, uh, a big major label deal with Electra when we were in our early 20s um, and toured with them for many years. I toured with some other bands as well. And when that came to a close, I... Did some soul searching. I went to Mississippi. I lived on a plantation farm at this mystical place called the Crossroads. Uh, it's, a, it's a famous place, home of the blues here in the U.S. And uh, shortly after that, moved to New York City, where I started all over again, not working in music. And pretty much, you know, I drove a taxi and I You know, got, uh, you know, made a life for myself there in New York, basically starting over, got into real estate, got very lucky with a healthcare tech company. I was the first employee and um, watched this one single owner build that company from zero to selling it for $450 million to uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. And then I was an early employee with him again at his next company. He said I was his rabbit's foot. I guess, because clearly I, I don't have the, uh, the MBA or PhD or clinical knowledge, but um, supported him and he, he just sold that again. So now I'm unemployed uh, and officially focused on angel investing full time. I started in 2015 on the secondary markets, uh, just participating, didn't want to lose all my money, wasn't quite as cavalier uh, and, uh, and skillful as yourself. To make those decisions, it was it was very important to me to not lose all my money, Uh, and then just put a lot in my own personal education, and eventually started investing in early stage companies, and now that's that's really what I'm focused on. And uh, I think one thing that most people don't know about me that I'm just now starting to uh, embrace is that I don't I did not finish high school. I have uh, an 11th grade education. Well, you're
0: crushing it for 11th grade education. So amazing and awesome story. And I know we've chatted a few times about all the other great things you've done, but man, phenomenal story. So let's go back to a little bit about when you were working with the first startup. Can you share a little bit about what that looked like from kind of where it's taken you today? So, you know, people don't just jump into investing and decide, hey, I'm going to be an investor. Uh, you work through, you learn the, the elements of what it took to be in a startup. Maybe share a little bit about what that experience was like and, and kind of how much that played into where you are today.
1: I think one really one really cool thing to think about in life is with, with one phone call, your entire life can change. And you often forget that and you get kind of stuck in this. And I was in real estate. I was renting apartments in New York City, trying to sell apartments. And I got this call from this guy one day, and he said, meet me at the Four Seasons Saturday morning. He called me on a ridiculous apartment. I thought it was one of my friends messing with me. It was like $40,000 a month, some insane apartment. Nobody ever called me on it. And I met him, and I showed him a bunch of apartments. He didn't rent any of them, and he offered me a job. He said, come work with me. Your life is going to change. And it was him and his wife, and they were just laughing. He doesn't even know how much his life is going to change, you know? and i did i worked for him i was the first employee he gave me some equity and just watching you know we didn't even have an office you know it was two it was two two guys in a car you know i was driving him around to these meetings and i kind of thought to myself that i gave up i was just starting to do well in real estate and i'm like you know thinking what the heck am i doing with this guy and um and sure enough next thing you know he's got 200 employees and just the decisions The decisions that you come across, when to raise money, when to not raise money. Let's take an attractive line of credit from Goldman Sachs. It's non-dilutive, you know, and let's distribute it. Just all these kind of high level decisions uh, that I was on the inside circle to the guy. And it was really cool watching him, watching him do that.
0: You got to really learn what it took to be a startup because one, being the first employee of a business, As you mentioned, you you were able to work in the equity side, which makes sense. You're the first employee, but you were actually on the front line. So you got to see how everything was unfolding and be part of those conversations and be part of what was going to be that next big thing. And interestingly enough, you took the risk, which in investing world, risk is number one. Uh, This is what we do. We risk everything. And you risked a, a job that you said you were doing well at to get into this business and learn the ropes. So now you're in this and you're learning from these uh, uh, two individuals. How did you find that went? Were, were you at some points thinking, these guys sold me on this. This is a bag of, of beans. This isn't what I look for. I was looking for the good stuff. Was there anything like that that ever crossed your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean, the job that I was, you know, hired for was really kind of like a Joe Friday Whatever I need, you're that, you know, and I have a marketing background. So when that when that opportunity presented itself to build out the clinics and really, you know, market it, um, I was really good in that role. But until then, you know, I'm driving these guys around all day to meetings and, you know, getting sandwiches. And, you know, he moved from Las Vegas to New York and I'm coordinating dealing with movers. I'm doing all these things that weren't really uh You know, I'm not too good for anything. So I'm happy to support the team and what was needed at the time. But yeah, I was totally thinking, you know, what, what am I doing? It's in danger, you know, indentured servitude for these people. Um, But they ended up totally taking really good care of me. That's amazing.
0: So now you're, you're kind of in this position, you're at 200 people. Is your role changed? Do you start to define your role? Are, are you doing more on the investor side? Are you learning more of those things and saying, you know what, I got to drive this line of business or are you still focused on marketing? How did that all work?
1: Well, late 2012, kind of when they were in the hyper growth period, that's when I really discovered Bitcoin. That's when I really kind of, you know, and once you, once you go down that rabbit hole, I mean, it just kicks your head open. So I, I really went full on. And I pretty much tried to quit. Uh, I just told them, "Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with this. I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm going to do that." And they did not want to lose me, so they said, "Well, what can we do to make you happy?" And it was, you know, I, I well, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore, you know. And they said, "All right, well, we'll make you the marketing director. We'll make that a real title for you, and you can do that." So I ended up, you know, Bitcoin was secondary; it was a hobby, um, but that's kind of how it happened. I basically had to try to quit.
0: Nice. So then you, you dive into this Bitcoin space, which I know became that hobby that kind of continued all the way on until today. Um, what, was the, what was the thing that interested you the most about it and that you were early? There's not too many people that were really into Bitcoin back in 2012, outside of maybe scammers, drug dealers and everybody else that was finding a way to move money.
1: So a lot of the people from that point in time that discovered Bitcoin then um, even probably still today, you're all gold and silver people. I mean, you're all the gold and silver crowd, the sound money, you know, listening to all of those podcasts and those type of people that are that are preaching and the anti-federal reserve and hyperinflation, and all of this stuff. So that it was really familiar. It was an easy transition, getting into Bitcoin um, because i I came from that. And um, that was pretty much what it was just better money. It just only makes logical sense to, uh, to that Bitcoin was going to be much more useful in the future than gold. So it wasn't too much of a stretch, like, making, like putting those two together. Um, and then I just pretty much kind of started to play with it. Like you're a hobbyist, that's the best way to get into Bitcoin, right? So you learn how to make a paper wallet, which many people now don't do anymore. And I owned a small bar in New York City called Old Man Hustle. And I met this guy. We we accepted Bitcoin and we got a little bit of press for that. Um, and we had the second Bitcoin ATM in New York City. Uh, this guy brought basically a homemade box uh, and stuck it in the back. And that was a really cool thing. It was the second one that, uh, that was in New York. Oh, that's amazing.
0: So... Now you've got the Bitcoin machine. You're transacting. You're doing lots of great things. Then you go back into this next company. What drove you back into that?
1: So that's kind of like, and you know, this is a, a good question be, for you because when you invest in, in in entrepreneurs that are successful multiple times, you know, when when it's clear that somebody's a winner, um, it's more likely that they're going to be a winner again. At least that's what I found. So the guy that I had hitched my wagon to, his star, uh, so to speak, was a winner. So how could I not sign on again uh, for this next uh, venture? You know, Um, and that's just pretty much it was an easy decision. And these are not like, you know, uh, running the business kind of people. These are everyone runs Mach 5 and within six years we sell it. So it's not kind of like a career long term uh, choice.
0: Very cool. And now you jump into this next uh, opportunity. How much was it? How big and different was it from the first opportunity? Were you still focused on the marketing side? Were you doing more things now because you've expanded? You got a bar, you're in Bitcoin. Are you now exploring different avenues working with this, uh, this new venture?
1: No, it, it was in healthcare technology, in documentation improvement. By the way, the entire healthcare system is just absolutely horrific. Um, that's a whole nother thing, but, um, I didn't have a high level, uh, position at this company. Um, but I, it was much better that way, you know, because I can just, you can just kind of, when you're, you can just kind of do your own thing and support them with whatever they need and you don't have to be, it wasn't as demanding. So that's when I was really kind of starting with the angel investing, you know, which takes time. I mean, if you get in 300 syndicates, you know, and start following people like yourself and and start reading every day and consuming and processing as much as you can. Um, it, it's easy to kind of put your job in in the back burner a bit, uh, when there's so many different opportunities being presented at you all day.
0: No, I agree with that. And so that kind of moves you into that new stage now. So that that company did it exit as well? Yeah, I did. Very cool. Well, congratulations on being part of Two Exits and working your way through that and learning as much as you possibly could. So that's awesome.
1: Well, now I'm unemployed, so I got to figure out what to do now.
0: I'm going to guess you're probably doing okay, so I won't worry too much about being unemployed. You'll find something, I'm sure, like tomorrow, uh, like that. So you're a pretty clever guy. So now taking a look back, um, you start working, you start investing. So how much of that early stage experience you've gotten uh, really helped you propel into this investment world. And what got you started? What Who told you about, hey, come invest in these syndicates or invest in these startup companies?
1: What got you involved in that? So I think maybe still to this day, but definitely at that time, I think still. I am the most active investor on Equity Zen, which is, the, in my opinion, the best place uh, to get started. If you're an accredited investor and you want to participate in some late stage secondaries, that is that is the place. And I was just in so many deals. And luckily, you know, you start with that 2015 area. All of those IPOs are hitting now and have been hitting for the past two years. You know, it's been it's been really good uh, in, in that respect. So I went to this financial conference. I met this guy from Long Island and I was telling them what I was doing. And I said, you know, look at like, look at some of these returns. You know, your money's only tied up for maybe 18 to 24 months. Maybe it's a 4X or a 6X. You know, maybe you get a 3X, but look at how great this is. And he says, yeah, that's great. But he's like, but let me show you something. He's like, why don't you take a look at this? And then all of a sudden, you know, you start looking at these early stage things. And I said, well, I don't want to lose all my money. You know, I've always been too scared to invest in uh, the early stage stuff because doesn't 80% of it go to zero? You know, does it 90% of it go to zero? And then you start learning, well, what's the power law? What's the power law of investing? Uh, Because coming from a music business background, that's the only industry, entertainment, is the only industry where you can have a 90% failure rate and still be wildly successful. Like that's your entire business. You know, the one pop star pays for everything else that's done on that label. Uh, The one good TV show, the one movie. Uh, So, you know, Making that connection with angel and early stage investing, um, it started to loosen me up a little bit. To to yo, know, you're not going to lose all your money, you know. And if you do, it's fine because it's a numbers game.
0: It, it really is, and and you kind of hit the nail on the head there with the power rule and the one in ten success. And uh, but that one in ten that is successful, like you said, it offsets all the losses of the other ten. And of course, everybody's goal is they want two or maybe three uh, successes in those 10 and they'll do whatever it takes to kind of get there. So now you're kind of going through all this learning. You've got startup experience, you're investing uh, all over the board. Uh, Today, you've got, I think it's close to 1,200 or more investments. Is that correct? Yeah, over 1,200 companies. Brilliant. I'm hitting the green red button
1: right now. Just alert, alert. Amazing. This is pretty cool. Well, you know the thing about that is is it sounds like a lot and it is a lot, but you know when you have uh, an amount as low as thousand dollars and maybe as high as hundred thousand dollars right for uh, m- maybe the founder that I worked for, you know or, or some really exclusive opportunity for his company that I'm I'm not with right now, you know what I mean and, and but for the most part there's there's small amounts. You know, the secondaries is always 10 or 20,000. You know, you don't really get away from that. So, but what do you get for that thousand dollars? You get the best education ever uh, about a company and about their life. And when you try to read everything, you know, what's working, what's not working, what are the KPIs that they care about? You know, what are the pain points? Maybe you tune into a founder's Zoom call, you listen at your leisure, just learning so much. From all of that, you become this like living, breathing API for all sorts of shit, you know? And I just really love the education. It's not just about making a ton of money. It's not just about getting those multiples. Like, you know, there's so much that you learn and you learn it firsthand. You learn it from dilution by experiencing it. You know, you learn it from conversions or an exit scam or four months ago. This is the hottest this is the hottest deal ever, and they were in this accelerator, and everyone's in, and this is the greatest deal and the greatest deal. and you invest. And five minutes later, uh, COVID has been horrible in India. We're winding down operations. We're able to return 30 percent of everyone's investment. You know? Thank God that was a small investment. But look at the education. look what you learned from it, you know? The same way when it's, hey, this is the hottest deal ever. Everyone in the world is in it, you know, from Naval personally to, you know, every top tier fund, you know, the the damn thing reads like a Hollywood script for who's in the deal. And you invest and all of a sudden, four months later, the damn thing is 30, 40 X what you invested in. You know, that's another one for the file manager. You know what I mean? Why did I only invest such a small amount, you know? So, but to do that enough times, you, if you were, I hate to use a gambling analogy, but if you were going to learn how to play blackjack in a casino, you wouldn't go to the $500 hand table. I mean, you just wouldn't. You would see a lot of hands at the dollar table with your buddies before you decided to do something else. And um, I had a guy, uh, CPA who was asking me what I was doing. And I said, I'm angel investing. He says, oh, I hate that. I said, why? He said, well, I made two large investments and they both went to zero. And that's the problem. That's the problem is people come in, they write a big $50,000 check and then it doesn't work out. You know, Invest 2K into 25 deals, follow the companies, learn as much as you can. Hit the pro rata hard. You know, When the winners emerge, that's when you really get in. You can always invest more later. The amounts can always go up. And I wish people had that kind of bit of wisdom before they got started. And that's brilliant. I love the way I love the analogies and there's nothing
0: wrong with it using the analogy of, uh, of uh, gambling, because really at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're playing the laws of averages. You're figuring out how can I get as much information into my brain as possible around this circumstance build patterns so that I can learn and understand how these things are all going to operate and work. And then I can execute on the ones that are going to be successful. I can double down, quadruple down, whatever I need to, but I'm going to set it up now so that I can have a footprint and grow. And really that's what investing through a fund or investing indirectly into a company is all about. You'll come in, test the water, put in that two grand or 10 grand or 20 grand, whatever you're comfortable with. And you put that in and then you watch and you learn, you participate and you start to see is there a lie here is this real is this fake and then when you get going further ahead you start seeing who's coming in and like you said that laundry list of, of big leaders jumping in on top of that business well now I can double down triple down and make sure that I'm making a footprint and the ones that you see that are taking a tough time or having a, a rougher go on investing well maybe you don't go back in or you put in a smaller position because maybe they haven't figured out how that mvp is going to hit the market so a lot of learnings uh, by just trial and error and I love the way you're trialing and airing because you're doing it with small increments, but you're taking down so many industries in so many areas that it's like anything. I think someone told me that if you go out and talk to 50 women, one of them will talk to you back and go on a date. So the odds are one in 50. So you've got the same one in 10 odds that if I invest in 50 companies, I've got 55 that will be a home run. So I need to double down on those ones. And that comes from experience. And the only way to gain experience is taking the time to make sure you make a lot of investments. Different approach than putting all your eggs into smaller baskets, but I love how you've uh, how you've tackled that.
1: So, if investing in this journey that we're all on, because you started somewhere, you remember when you probably were in the public markets first, you know, and then you kind of got exposed to this world. You know, you you level up your experience, right? So. I just, I leveled up to the the angel world and the early stage world. And at some point in time, I hope to be able to level up to what you're doing. You're you're hosting pitch events. You know, you're getting people together. You can sit face-to-face with a founder and be one of the first checks in and not really rely on the signaling, you know? Because even for a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks, even for a small nominal amount, the signaling still has to line up. I mean, you're still following top tier investors. You know, I love crowdfunding. I love what crowdfunding is doing uh, in general. But, you know, if, on all, if there's 85 companies live on Republic right now, I could really only recommend maybe two or three of them. And those are because I've, I've read deal memos on those companies from other places that weren't crowdfunding. So you can send those to a few friends and be like, hey, you should check this company out. I know this is legit. Look at the signaling. They're X, XYZ. C, they're whatever, you know. But then you get somebody hooked on crowdfunding and they're just on WeFunder, just putting money into all these things. That's that to me is a disaster, you know. So I think you really have to pay attention to the signaling. And then you get to a point like you're in where you don't have to look at the signaling. You know what data you need from that company before you make an investment. Send me this, 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 and this on this dashboard. And that's how you pull the trigger. And I hope to be able to do that one day.
0: Well, I don't see it being too far. Maybe tomorrow will be a good start. But uh, you you really uh, have summarized a, a lot of great points. And I think what really stands out in, in what you were sharing is that if you take a professional uh, sports player, uh, because we're all familiar with basketball, so we'll utilize this as the, ano- uh, the uh, analogy here, is that. You take LeBron James. LeBron James isn't playing four other sports. He isn't testing the waters on how to become a professional swimmer. He literally went into one sport and dominated it. And he didn't dominate it from day one. He went in, practiced, he learned, he had leaders that he looked up to, and he started to learn from what they were doing. He learned their mistakes. He learned how they interacted with coaches. He learned how he interacted with players. And he built himself a brand and he built himself a position that he could get and be reliable to everybody else around him. So then people started to lean on him to keep being that person. And eventually he grew, he hit stature, he hit size, he hit brand. And now all of a sudden every team wants him. So he's not looking for the signals anymore. He is the signal. So is he having an up day? He's having a down day, but he's got 15 years of background, learning and experience that has driven him to get to that point. It's the same thing with investing in early stage companies. You have to take the time put everything into it to be the best. Your goal is that I want to be the best. And you can't be the best by being in there part-time. You want to make sure that how you build your brand and how you build you is all about focus. It's about trial and error, losses. We all have them, but we have to talk about them. We have to share about them. And then eventually people start to lean into you and look for those signals. And that's when you know, I guess in a way you can say I've made it because you become the focal point of the being the best in that industry. And you can be the best in investing. You can be the best in sports. You can be the best in anything you choose. It's just put the time in to learn and make your mistakes so that you can keep growing. And you're obviously doing all of those right things, no matter how many different angles you cut it. 1,200 investments. I don't know anybody that's done more than like maybe three or 400 in my personal world. And, and that's, again, on the top tier. So you've already stepped way above all of that by experiencing um, that level of volume but you're also taking in a huge level amount of data and inputs, which means that that next company that you see, instantly you can tell in 30 seconds, now they're not doing the right things or they're on the wrong angle because you've got so many data inputs coming from
1: every other area. See, it's interesting because you're investing out of a fund and now I'm investing out of a very small little boutique um, fund project. But you know that's when you really have to be careful, right? Um, I mean, I had pre IPO shares of Lyft and Uber, you know, on the secondaries, not big investments, right? I mean, that wouldn't be a conflict. At least I don't view it as a conflict, you know, um, there's room for both, you know, and I hope that that's an accepted, um, standard that comes, that comes to be with early stagers, especially people who are really active like myself, um, you know, you have to be, you have to exercise discretion. You know, you you have to be very confidential with everything, but I don't think, oh, just because I invested in this rowing technology startup company, I can't invest in this other rowing technology company in another part of the world, or they have a slightly different business model. I don't think it's winner take all. And I think a lot of people really get fixated on, well, I've already invested in in uh, this vegan tennis shoe company. I can't invest in this vegan sock company. You know? And I don't think that's necessarily the case, especially when you have these small, smaller investments. We call it piking. It's a joke. We're all pikers. But when you're making these small investments, I don't think you have to really be too careful about that as long as you're not you know, causing harm to either company you know and i'm just waiting i don't know if if that's going to be acceptable i don't know if somebody's going to eventually take a look at what i've done and be like you can't freaking do that you know i don't know
0: hey just remember you're an entrepreneur and you can do anything until you get slapped and in this case i think that you're pushing the line and i love it i do the same i look at if i'm going to invest in a company here I want to make sure that the next company I invest in is going to benefit the first company and the third company and the second and the fourth, because they all intertwine somehow and they're all going to grow each other, buy each other, whatever that looks like. So we're in prop tech, we're buying one that's managing the prop tech. We're in one that's managing the assets. Then we're in one that's selling the assets. And why is that? Because they all have to leverage off the same industry, same contacts, uh, build a bigger business. So at the end of the day, I think there's always ways to leverage that. Uh, but at the same time, it's also being transparent enough so that your investors and the way that they're operating, they're also understanding the point of view that you're taking and, and utilizing what, what we do on our fund side. We look at where is this company going to scale to? Where are they going to be in the next five to seven years? Will the industry still love them? Will they be still be a buyer out there for them? Uh, or are they just going to be a trend and then they're going to dissipate in the next few years? So We have to look at a lot of different signals on that side of it, but it's day one they're really early companies so can we make a small investment in personally help them grow and then come in from the fund side and help them double down or quadruple down and I think all of those things you can change the plan it's just a matter of timing and how you view your investments
1: there's a lot of benefits also when somebody gets me on the team and when you have that um, that insane uh, data set, which is uh, somebody wants to penetrate the employee rewards market. You know, uh, Alice did a good job, Bob gives her 20 stars, she cashes them out for a gift card, whatever. Somebody really wants to get into this space, right? Well, I consult um, my data and I'm already in seven of those companies maybe, you know what I mean? And I have warm intros and I'm able to provide them to this new company who wants to get in that space, you know? So there's a lot of value that can be added by the sure volume. Um, and I think that, that, that kind of offsets any potential. Uh, why do we want this guy in the deal kind of thing?
0: I think you're doing a great job, man. I think you would be a home run to have on any team because of the amount of data and understanding you have uh, the things you've gone through. And you know what? I'm going to ask, this question, which is going to be related to, uh, I'm looking for a success story, something that just blew your mind that you couldn't believe happened. And you got to, you don't even have to have met the entrepreneur, but just the fact that this person had to go through X, Y, and Z to get where they were. Is there any story that just pops in your mind that just kind of blew your mind on what it takes to be an entrepreneur?
1: An entrepreneur or a personal success story? Uh, ah, either one, either one works. Um, as far as a personal success story, um, I'm I'm a really big fan of Cyan Bannister, and you know basically she's uh, was a homeless uh, a homeless person from Tucson, Arizona, and she grew to be a partner at Founders Fund, and uh, discovered um, technology along the way, and caught a few breaks. And it's unbelievable what she overcame in her life. So I'm a big fan. It's a, it's a personal um, motivator for me. Um, And as far as entrepreneurs go, I can't like really cite one, but oftentimes you come across, they had four failed startups, you know, and that is ripe for whatever they're talking to you about. So there's, I just think there's, there's a lot in there from the first time, the first time founder, which is all fun. You know, it, they're all different hands, right? They're all different hands that you're dealt. And somebody who has failed three or four times um, shouldn't be taken lightly when they're, they're pitching their new idea to you. That's just something that I think. I, I know I don't really have a very good example for you, but.
0: No, that's brilliant and well shared. Well, I, I love that because in my mind, what it resonates with is one of our uh, portfolio companies called Scout, uh, Adam, and he went through that, he he built three companies, uh, I'm pretty sure it was three, and uh, he would say, you know what, I had to fail one, didn't work out very well, things didn't go well, but you know what I did this time, and this is what he had told me when we like fell in love with his brand and his business, he said, I took the time to focus on the environment, it's outside of tech, I'm not uh, tech is my space and now I'm in CPG, but I learned and I took everything I learned and I took my time on this one and I have staged it out perfectly. And I will tell you that in the year and a half or two years that we've been working with him, he has staged out everything along the way just perfectly. I'm going to race here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. So he took all of that learning to get himself into a better position. So you know what? That four fails is amazing because I think that really drives that person home to saying this next one is going to be the one. I am going to make this one work because if you're going to try that many times, that means you're dedicated and you know how to hustle and you're going to do whatever it takes. And you also know when to quit because you're already onto the next thing. So I think that's a a valuable, uh, share, man. I think that's a great story.
1: And also, you know, one other thing that, that happened with uh, a company that unwound, uh, for, for me, and I didn't even know that this could happen as part of the education. Um, we inv- I invested in a company and then five months later got the email that they're ceasing operations with an apology from the founder, but we were able to get back all of our money. That founder had it and he, he returned all of the syndicate's money and made them whole. And I don't know how that worked. I don't know if he had it or if it, what his balance sheet was like or why we got all of it. I mean, I don't know how could everyone get all of, all of their money back. You know, it couldn't have happened. But he did that, right? So, and, and he wants everyone to know that, you know, he tried to do the right thing and he's going to have a new project. And this is how he chose to de- deal with it, you know? So that's just another learning case-by-case uh, case thing. Where I didn't even know that that could happen. You know, so how you as a founder deal with those failures? You know, certainly it left a very good. Uh, it was in very good light for how we all view him. You know, because he admitted his failure, he gave us our money back, and now he's in stealth mode building his next thing. So you just never know where that road can take you, and that very next thing could be a decacorn. You know, who knows? Agreed, and that's
0: a again, that's a true testament to the the founder, the entrepreneur, on on how they view. Their business, how they view the interaction, they're making sure that they're planting this going forward. That they're going to set it up for the next one to be a little bit more successful, or hopefully a lot more. But they're taking care of what they first started with. And there's a lot of founders that just kind of fluff off all that money they raised, or uh, don't care about how they spent it, or not focused on growing the business. And it's it's a shame that when people get money, they don't look at it as I should protect this, and I should protect the investor, and protect the business, and grow it. But at the same time, we can't make everybody whole and make everybody perfect. But I do appreciate those types of founders because they're the ones you want to keep investing in every time they build a company.
1: Absolutely.
0: So now we're going to kind of jump right into, and man, this has been great. I, I, I love all of this journey that you've been on. How much of, uh, I guess, last question before we jump into the rapid fire questions, how much of running and operating a band? and touring and 35 shows a month. That's insane. That's like three, you're doing some days you might've been doing two or three shows in a day. Uh, That's incredible. How much of that hustle do you see? That's kind of baked into your wanting to learn and be part of this whole uh, startup environment.
1: Tons, tons. It's the same thing. All right. So my favorite part about booking shows was developing an artist. Okay. So the first time that the XYZ band Uh, You book them. Maybe there's 50 people, 40 people. It's in a basement. They got small amounts of money and you maintain that relationship. okay? and you are working with the agent and the record label and you're following the band. And maybe they come through again and maybe there's 250 people there. okay? so you can look at each one of these things as like series rounds. Okay, I make a lot of um, a lot of connection between the music business and early stage investing. Okay, maybe there's three hundred people there, and you maintain that relationship, kind of like maybe pro rata. I don't know. Okay, and then maybe there's another promoter in town who's calling the band, and he's trying to submit an offer, and I get wind of it, and then I'm talking to the band and the manager saying, "Hey, no, no, no." uh, you were playing for 50 people. We've done every show in these markets. There's no way I'm losing it, you know, and then maybe they squash it and, and you just take them as far as you can. And pretty soon they're doing 4,000 people. Okay. And when they get to that point as an independent concert promoter, you have to lose them. Okay. Which I haven't had this experience in investing, but at some point in time, when they come in with those big checks, okay, and those, I didn't even know the letters went that high in the alphabet, you will mm-hmm. lose all connection with that company, it's over right. Yep. And yep. maybe they give you some token appreciation or whatever it is, you know, so when you lose uh, the band after that 4000, it's it's hard to keep them after four or 5000 people, You you just can't do them, they buy the whole tour. And it's a whole different kind of world at that point, you know, so um, that aspect of it, as far as the developing the strong relationships, really supporting uh, your portfolio companies or your artists moving forward, um, that's totally applicable to uh, the VC world. I found.
0: No, that's amazing, and and I, I I'm totally following this. I was, uh, I'll call it myself. I was a roadie one of my buddy's bands, so we were the first fans at his first concert, and there maybe been ten people there and so forth. Uh, We were jamming with them and making sure that we followed this all the way along. And the synergies between what they're doing and raising pre-seed, seed, seed, Series A, all that is just like the crowd. You know, the first crowd was 10 people, put a couple bucks in. And then the next crowd and the next crowd just kept growing. And, you know, eventually at one point we were in Vancouver at a big, uh, big concert. And there's thousands and tens of thousands of people there. And you're like, man, they finally made it. This is so cool. And what you've got is every video recording of everything that they ever done. Uh, but it's just like having a piece of equity in that company. Right. So you're right. There's a lot of synergies you can take out of uh, everything that goes on in life and especially uh, from the, uh, the band and concert circuit. So that's pretty cool. I love it.
1: And, you know, not only that, you know, when the band is when the agent is fielding offers for different shows in different markets, they might get an absurdly higher offer to play at a club that makes no sense You know, it's not the place for the show, but they're going to overbid and they're going to pay for it, right? And oftentimes, sometimes we'd tell the agent, you know, take the money. I mean, just like, just do it, you know, do it, whatever. And the show sucks. The promoter loses his shirt. You know, the band's pissed off because the tickets weren't priced right. Maybe it wasn't all ages. Maybe a lot of their core fans couldn't even go, you know? And so that has to be kind of, uh, close to making the wrong decisions on who you take money from as a company, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? This is, it's a high price. It's a ridiculous valuation. And maybe it turns out that like nobody really wins there, you know, or they didn't add value or they wish that they would have went with somebody who really specialized in the seed or series A that was going to roll up their sleeves and do something, you know? So i am thinking about maybe writing a little bit about some parallels in the music business with VC. Um, cause I am pretty passionate about it and I do find it to be like very similar. Done. I'll buy the book. Uh, no book, my man, no book.
0: All right. I'll read the PDF then, but, uh, still sounds pretty cool. And I do agree. There's a lot of correlation between that. Um, well let's, uh, actually, uh, man, we could talk all day. So, uh, one last question, I promise. Um, what was the best or most favorable experience you had with a band? Like, was there, I'm making something up, but it was like the Chili's and you got them to play here. Like, is there any story that just blew your mind away? Like a top band that you got to interact with? Uh, I'm a big fan. I love going to concerts. So is there anything that kind of fit in that realm?
1: Oh, my God. We have so many ridiculous stories. I don't even know where to start with this. Uh, We have a ton. But um, one time we got a call at the Nile about doing a Snoop Dogg show. Okay. Okay. Now this was, this was way outside of what we would normally do. This is not our thing, but it was on like no notice. It was like five days notice, right? And the place held like 1200 people. And, uh, and we did it and we almost instantly sold it out. And he didn't want to show up, he wasn't there. And so the doors opened at seven o'clock at night. And where is this guy? Right. I mean, this is a real show with William Morris. This is this is it. Where is the man himself? And I think that that crowd waited at least five hours. Apparently, he had a little bit too much to drink and left his ADAT, which I don't know if hip hop people, they sing to a DAT tape. OK, they put in the DAT and he lost the freaking ADAT tape at some club a couple of miles away. The night before and everyone's running around trying to go to this club Pompeii at the time to find Snoop Dogg's freaking ADAT tape so we can get this guy on the stage and eventually somewhere at like 1230 in the morning, uh, he was there with the tape. And he played the show and uh, no one got refunds. Everything was good, but I don't know why I thought of that story, but I just. Oh, that's awesome. It popped out.
0: It still happens. So they went to and they delivered and Snoop Dogg delivered. I love following him on Instagram. He's always got <laughs> some uh, entertaining stuff, but that's cool that he delivered. And uh, you know what? That's what you got to do when you're uh, an entrepreneur in a business is that when something big happens, you got to be there and you got to put it all together. So even if you're
1: late. Absolutely. brilliant,
0: Brilliant. Great story. All right, we're going to jump into the rapid-fire questions. Uh, uh, We'll start with the business ones, then we'll jump into the personal. You got it. All right, pick one or the other. First one, from an investment standpoint, are you interested in a solo founder or co-founder? Co-founder. Unicorn or four-year 10X exit?
1: Four-year 10X exit. Love it. Tech or CPG? tech
0: brand or tech
1: shit man are hard uh tech ai or blockchain ai there's no purpose for blockchain other than bitcoin it's all pointless ai for sure i love it first time founder or second or third time founder second or third
0: first money in or series a
1: series a just because i'm not there Okay, Uh,
0: angel or VC? In what context? Uh, Would you be more interested to be an angel or would you be more interested to be a VC? Uh, VC. Boarded seat
1: or observer? Observer. Safe or convertible note? Hands down convertible note. Lead
0: or follow? Follow. Equity or interest payments? Equity. Favorite part of investing?
1: Seeing every cool thing that's being built in the entire world every day.
0: Write down your line because I love that and I totally agree with you on that. Uh, number of companies invested per year?
1: <sighs> um, hundreds.
0: Hundreds works? All right. Uh, preferred terms.
1: Preferred terms. In what way?
0: Uh, like you want equity, convertible notes. Uh, I
1: I'd, I'd rather have priced priced rounds always. And I just as a tidbit, I will never ever invest in an uncapped note. With or without a discount, there's no chance I would ever invest in an uncapped note. I don't care if it's the best company in the universe. It's an instant no. As soon as I know it's an uncapped note, I don't even want to read what the company is about.
0: Hitting the red green button. I'm on the same boat. I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, preferred, uh, sorry, vertical of focus?
1: Vertical of focus?
0: Yeah, do you focus on any verticals? Or you're pretty agnostic. You're open to uh, kind of any any vertical, any space? Any stage, any space. I love it. Uh, maybe two things that you look for that stand out in a startup that you'll invest in. Uh,
1: month over month growth and signaling. I also really pay attention to, the, to um, the, 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 the burn. The burn always is a big deal. So, I mean, it has to be, everything has to be trending up and to the right month over month growth, subscriber growth, weekly growth, you know, whatever metrics are there have to be off the charts that with the signaling. And I'm in for sure. I love it.
0: Okay. We're going to jump into the personal questions book or movie movie Superman or Batman, Batman pizza, pop or ice cream bar.
1: Ice cream bar.
0: Five minutes with Bezos or Oprah?
1: Bezos.
0: Arsenal or Manchester United?
1: (sighs) Manchester.
0: What? I'm trying to find Arsenal fans. Uh, Bike or rollerblades? Bike. Big Mac or Chicken McNuggets? Big Mac. Trophy or money?
1: Fuck, that's a hard one. Money.
0: Beer or wine? Beer. Alarm clock or mobile phone?
1: Mobile phone. I I love any alarm clock. I just don't have one. I don't feel right answering, but...
0: All right. Hotel or hostel? Hotel. King or be rich?
1: Rich. Nobody wants to be a king.
0: Concert or amusement park?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Amusement park. And then the last question... That also depends on the band, but sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll stick with amusement park.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Uh, has has life in the U.S. been boring without Trump? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Favorite sports team? Mets. Favorite movie and what character would you play in the movie?
1: Oh, favorite movie. My favorite movie is actually... A- crazy movie called waking life um and man that's a tough one i didn't know you were gonna ask those type of things um who would i play in a movie shit you're catching me off guard i would play i would play tom cruise and jerry mcguire ah nice that's
0: good yeah all right and you said the movie is called waking life yeah all right i gotta check that out Favorite book?
1: Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas.
0: <laughs> I um... love that book. <laughs> I literally downloaded it not too long ago, like two months ago, just to listen to it again. I have the book version of it, but I had to listen to it again. I'm just a huge fan too, so that's awesome. All right, last question. What is your superpower? Uh,
1: a work ethic. Um and determination that is unparalleled to anyone I've ever met. I'm a Taurus. I'm the bull. And once a Taurus runs at something and starts to go, it just cannot be stopped. Um, So when I get obsessed with things, you know, it doesn't even feel like work. Like this, like the angel investing stuff, you know, reading books and learning. If it feels like play to you, you will do very well at it because it's not even work so that that is my definite superpower and at the same time the taurus the bull you know you can't push a taurus you can't push that bull to do anything it doesn't want to do so it goes both ways but definitely uh hard work geez i might think i'm a
0: taurus i'm actually an Aquarian, but i feel like i'm a taurus based (laughs) off what you just said but uh that's brilliant man That's a it's a great superpower to have and being determined and uh, uh, as you say, like getting shit done and moving it forward and, and being heavily focused in that, it, it's uh, phenomenal. And, and when you do kick off your uh, next funding, uh, we're going to have to chat because I'm interested to obviously dive into that because I think you're uh, phenomenal in what you're doing. So I'm excited to, uh, to keep following along with your journey. So um, either way, Mike, I want to say thank you very much for all of your time today and joining us and sharing your story. Uh, phenomenal. I love your background. I love what you've done and how you've accomplished what you have. Uh, you're on my books. You're number one, especially with how you've been investing and the way you've been tackling this space. Absolutely. Awesome. Don't change. Don't stop. Keep pushing it forward, man. You're, you're doing amazing things. And the way we like to end our show is we like to give you the last word. So if you've got anything you want to share to the startup community, to investors, uh, we turn it over to you. But again, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: First off, When you want to launch your syndicate, okay, and you want to start taking going that route, I hope that you think of me first because I'd love to help you get that off the ground. Um, because I think that you are uh got the everything in place for that. Um as far as uh the closing goes, I would say if you're looking to invest, learn as much as possible. Get on every platform that there is and just start reviewing deals read the Calcanus book, read venture deals. You know what I mean? There's so much educational material on funders club, um, you know, send Jeffrey or me an email. I mean, we'll give you just too much. You won't even be able to digest it all. So just really get in and, and get started and, and learn, just start somewhere. And the amounts can always go up, put in the smallest amount ever and then just track the company, follow it, see what works, see what doesn't, just get involved somewhere, okay? And if you're a founder, know all your options on the table. You know, know, know how many different ways. There's never been a better time to, to get out there and, and raise money. And you can, you can, you can syndicate it and you can do roll-up vehicles. You can look at crowdfunding. You can get advice from VCs. And you can, there are so many different ways to, to build your business. Um, just make sure that you educate yourself on everything that's around in 2021 and um the lastly the thing that i'm most passionate about that i hope changes is it is an absolute tragedy that any person that is of legal gambling age uh regardless of their situation in life can walk into any casino in las vegas and lose all their money. And that is the casino's entire business model. Their business survives on that. It is a rigged game, okay? But the fact that they limit these unsophisticated investors from investing in technology companies or private companies is an absolute crime. It should be illegal. So I'm personally going to advocate against changing those laws. They've been loosening a little bit over time, but it is absolutely inexcusable why you can't invest in all the companies that you're investing or I'm investing in because these people might lose all their money, but they can walk into any casino and actually lose their money. Um, so that is something I'm very passionate about and I, it absolutely drives me insane.
0: Mike, I love it and I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree with you. I think uh, what you're pushing for is, is correct. Uh, it should be freedom of choice, uh, especially when it's something you worked hard to earn and you should choose how you want to spend it. And if you can go lose it all in a casino, it would be a better place to lose it in 100 startups than it is to go lose it in one spot on a table. So uh, I love it. And uh, you've got my vote as well. So I'm not sure if you're running for the uh, uh, mayor of New York or what's next. But uh, when you do figure that out, let's stay in touch. But again, thank you very much for all your time, man. You're awesome.
1: Thanks, Jeffrey. I really appreciate you having me, man, and chatting.
0: All right. That was fantastic, man. Uh, Mike, I just love the way he wanted to learn how he attacked this market and being able to go in and just say, you know what, I need to learn more about this. Taking the experience he got from running a band, the, the analogies and everything else that followed in behind that, man, phenomenal. Tied it in really nicely into how the startup world worked. And I think we can all relate to that once we start to understand our past experiences and how we can relate them into getting in and investing in early stage companies. And you can see that just from, uh, from that and working in the companies that he did, he gained a lot of knowledge. And then in order for him to feel comfortable to dive in and invest, he went all in, just started to invest and figure out what was working, what information he could learn from. And, you know, that's really what it takes to kind of be the best and understand the markets that you're going to jump into. So really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, and love the Snoop Dogg story. And again, uh, all the things you're doing, Mike, keep it up. Great work. And um, I want to thank everybody again for, uh, uh, for tuning in. And uh, again, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the conversation, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and or Stitcher. And you can also check us out at supportersfund.com or for startup events, visit opn.ninja. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week.